right. Well, grab your Bibles with me. Um, we're going to go to the book of James in chapter 3. Before we do that, um, I guess I just want to address a couple things here real quickly. And normally we do this on a Wednesday night with a Bible study. But uh, the questions have risen up. And so put your finger in James in chapter number 3. And then go to 1 John in chapter 5. And I'm just going to give you just a few things as far as where I stand biblically and where our church has taken a stand for many years on a couple topics. And I want you to know that. And if you have questions on those topics, you're more than welcome to catch me after service, call me, and we'll sit down and talk. Um, had a couple calls this week concerning the Trinity. And uh, folks, um, I personally, and then as a church, personally, believe, the, the church believes, as far as, as far as our stance is concerned, that uh, there are three in one. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to give you one verse on that tonight. And again, I can go into a lot more depth. But I do want you to know where we stand, where I stand personally. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says this, And these three are one. And so we see very plainly, according to the Bible, that there's the Father, there's the Word. And of course, John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh and uh, dwelt among us, and so on and so forth. We know that's Jesus Christ. And then we see the Holy Spirit, and we see very plainly that these three are one. And so we believe in the, the doctrine of the Trinity. We believe that there's three separate uh, entities, three separate personalities, and yet at the same time, those three are in perfect harmony, perfect agreement at all times and those three are one and so again I'd be more than happy to discuss that with you but I do believe it's necessary to point that out and then the other topic I just I, I just want to bring up is the topic of tongues and this is one I know is very divisive in today's Christianity and I understand that I'm not afraid of the topic um, but we do not believe in the modern practice of tongues and let me explain what that means and if you take your Bibles keep your finger in James we're coming there tonight that's where we're going to be talking out of and uh, but go to Acts in chapter 2 and Again, this is very brief. It's just something to let you know what we believe and where I stand as the pastor and what the church believes as, as, as a whole. Acts chapter 2, and I just, um, I'm just going to give you a couple verses. Verse 4, the Bible says this, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, the Pentecostals have taken that and have made that to mean some um, tongue that's unknown to man. But I want to show you what the Bible says about the gift of tongues. It says there were dwelling, verse 5, at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. Now, the wording of the Bible is very important. Devout men. These were not uh, easily excitable. These were devout men, sober men. Out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man, now listen, it says, heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Now, please understand that in verses 9 and 10 and 11 give us many different nations and, 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 and regions where these people that had come for Pentecost, where they were from. In the Bible, when the gift of tongues was given, it was given and it was an unknown language to the man speaking it. It was not an unknown language to the man hearing it. 
Please understand the importance of that. It was never a, 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 a religious psychobabble where people spoke in these tongues and, and, and then some divine interpreter had to interpret something that was not a tongue. I'm going to tell you what biblical tongues was, for lack of a better term. It would be tonight if I were to go down to Mexico and speak and preach to a church in Mexico and speak in perfect Spanish. That's what the gift of tongues would be. That's what it was biblically, and the Bible defines itself, and please understand the importance of that. The Bible says these men were all amazed, and they marveled at this because they heard in their own tongue. And the Bible says in verse 8, wherein we were born. They said, hey, man, I, you know, I, 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 I'm from China, and I just heard that man that is a Jewish fisherman speak in Chinese. I, I'm, from, I'm from Canada, and I heard him speak in perfect Canadian, so on and so forth, and I, I know that Canada wasn't around then, and, and, and for some of us feel it isn't around now, but, but understand, that is what happened. They did not speak in a, in a, in a, in a, in a religious psychobabble and just spout off at the mouth. They spoke in a tongue that was clearly understood by the hearers as their own Language. Now, I have no doubt people say, well, it was a gift of hearing. It wasn't a gift of hearing. It was a gift of speaking. These men, the Bible says, they spoke in another language. Don't be afraid of that. And I can take you to the, the next time it occurs in the book of Acts is when uh, Cornelius and his the, the people around him are saved, and they speak in a language, an unknown tongue to them, but a known language to Peter and those men there. And they marveled because the gospel had gone to the Gentiles. And if you study it biblically, you'll understand that. And folks, I just want to give you some practical, and I can go into very great depth on this. And again, if you have questions concerning it, I'll answer your questions as best I can biblically. But I do want you to know where I stand. The, the, the modern charismatic tongues is not of God. Let me say that again. The modern Charismatic gift of tongues is not of God and it is not biblical and do not be deceived by it. I will say this if it is my opinion. If it has any religious connotation to it, it is to deceive and to darken the minds of those and condemn them to a fate that is hell. And I'm not saying that's where they're, they're going if they believe in that. I am saying that's what it's used as in my personal opinion. I believe biblically I can also prove that. And so please understand, I just wanted to throw that at you tonight. I've had questions this week, had some, some good, honest people talk to me about that and just wanted to throw that out there and so on and so forth. Now take your Bibles in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Folks, don't be, don't be afraid of the tongues issue today. We as Christians, we as, as fundamental independent Christians, we Baptists, we have run from that. We just don't want to talk about it. Man, call it what it is. Call a spade a spade. That's what it is. These people heard in their own language. People got saved. It spread the gospel. And praise the Lord for it. Don't be ashamed of that. That was God's working, man. You don't need it today. God doesn't work in that way. Now, I'm not saying God can't. God can do anything he pleases. And God does, and praise the Lord for it. And I'm thankful that I have a God that works miracles to this day. But folks, we need to understand what the Bible teaches and not put our own uh, wants and wishes over it. James chapter 3. Let's go ahead and stand tonight in reverence to the Word of God. Have I got you all worked up? I hope so. Good night. James chapter 3. It took a while to get everybody going this morning, so I thought, boy, I'm just going to say some things that are highly controversial tonight. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren... Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. 
For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Let's pray. Father, come to you this evening, and Lord, I ask for your wisdom. Father, I pray that uh, we that tonight claim the name of Christ, that are born again, would, would take the Bible, and Father, use that as our, our guidebook, as our source book in all matters of faith and practice, but Father, even more than that, in all matters of life. Father, I pray that we would follow your word, that we, that we would seek to understand the, 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 the principles and the truths that it teaches. And Father, I pray that tonight, if there are some in this, uh, this building that have never accepted the grace uh, of, uh, uh, of yourself, Father, the gift of Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the, the very time of their salvation. And Father, I pray that they'd accept uh, Jesus Christ personally and that that Holy Spirit would come in and indwell them as he does every believer. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I know some of you say, boy, you can't say that, you know, what you just said, and then go to a different topic, but I am. James chapter 3. The Bible says, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. A couple weeks ago when we were together on Sunday night, I talked about uh, uh, criticalness. I talked about the scorner. And tonight we're going to go back to that topic and look at it from a little bit different angle. But I do want you to understand that a man who is able to control what he or she says, the Bible says is able to control the whole body. The, the most difficult member of our body to control is not our eyes. And, and honestly, at times I've wondered that. I've wondered, you know, oh, be careful little eyes, what you see. That, those eyes can get us into a lot of trouble, can't they? But the Bible says here that the most difficult member of our body to control is the tongue. And, and honestly, after you've, you've, you've been a mature adult for a short amount of time, you truly do understand how difficult it is to control the tongue. We have a tendency to spout off at the mouth, amen? Uh, I've heard people refer to it, and I think it's a good term, that, that, that those that have a problem controlling with their tongue have what is called diarrhea of the mouth, amen? And I think there's some truth to that, and we've all struggled at times, and, and we need to be very careful, and we need to recognize that. And the Bible says here in James chapter 3 and verse 2 that a man that can control or a woman that can control her tongue is a perfect man or a perfectly mature individual and is able to control the entire body. And that's, that's a mouthful. That truly is. And so tonight I want to bring it back to the, the topic of the scorner or to the critical tongue. A scorner is someone who is always tearing down. A scorner is someone who is always tearing down. And I think this is so necessary to understand because, again, we, we, we deceive ourselves into thinking that, you know, well, well, I'm not a scorner. I'm not a, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have a critical tongue. But I'm going to tell you this. If you are tearing people down and you are tearing works down, you are a scorner or a critical tongue. You say, well, well what I'm saying is the truth, and we talked to, about some of this the last time, and I don't want to be redundant, but I do want you to understand, my friend, every one of us in this room tonight have a problem controlling our tongue. And a scorner, the Bible teaches us very plainly, is someone who is always tearing down. Uh, also, a scorner is critical and it's not because of their circumstances, but because of their sinful heart. A scorner does not scorn because of their circumstances, but because of their sinful heart. And we need to understand that. You say, well, I'm going through a really difficult time right now. I know that. But at the same time, I've watched people that have gone through 
terrible circumstances. Got a little lady in the, in, in the nursing home right now in Lancaster, and boy, a little Sandy Kazelka, and she gets frustrated, and she gets down on life, and there are times when I promise you she'd rather be anywhere else than where she's at in that nursing home. But overall, that lady has a very gracious spirit, and, and honestly, I cannot compare anything in my life that I've had to deal with that compares to hers. I can't. And, and, and so, so many times, and she doesn't have a critical tongue. I'm, I'm sure she's not perfect. I'm sure she's not, not without that problem. But I will say this, as a whole, that lady has a lot more that she deals with on a daily basis than I do. And I, yes, I, I, I have my own set of problems and I have my own set of circumstances. But folks, our circumstances don't make us have a critical tongue. What makes us have a critical tongue is our sinful heart. And let's just, just get it down to brass tacks. Let's understand what, what is really the truth. Let's, let's not pretend that it's something else or somebody else. Let's just understand that it's us that stands in the need of prayer. Why do people criticize? Why do people criticize? And I'm going to be around, I'm going to look around this, this, this topic tonight to, to a certain extent almost be unorganized as I do it. But why do people criticize? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why are people critical? Why do people scorn? Well, the Bible tells us, and take your Bibles to Proverbs in chapter 1. Proverbs in chapter 1. In Proverbs in chapter number 1, why do people criticize? Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? I'm going to jump microphones here, Brother Leo. Look at verse 22. It says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners, what? Delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Why do people criticize? Quite frankly, because they enjoy it. Do you understand that? I mean, there, there, there is just something about being critical that, that brings a little bit of satisfaction to us. You say, oh, oh no, not me. Yes, you. There is something that we enjoy about being critical of the next guy. We enjoy, you say, well, well I, I know if you, you, you blow someone can, else's candle out, it doesn't make yours glow any brighter, but there's a certain bit of satisfaction of blowing somebody else's candle out, is there not? I mean, there's just a little, little piece in our heart, that human, that flesh, that sinful spirit, that just thrives on making somebody else look bad. Why do we criticize? Because we enjoy it. Let's just, let's just be honest tonight. Let's get down to the bottom floor and let's understand. Hey, critical people are critical not because of their circumstances. They are critical because they enjoy the satisfaction they get from knocking somebody else's legs out from underneath them. That's one of the reasons why. And you say, oh, I would never. Yes, we all have, haven't we? We have taken the opportunity when it presents itself and says, you know what, I can demean the character of that person by agreeing or adding to what I just heard. You know, it's amazing to me. Do you know what Satan is referred to in regards to this biblically? Satan is, re, is, is called the accuser of the brethren. Do you know what Satan delights in doing? He delights in going to the presence of God and he delights in trying to demean our character to Almighty God. Satan delights in that. 
Do you understand that tonight? And when we pick up that mantle of of having a scornful, critical spirit, we are not picking up a mantle that is righteous and that is godly. We are picking up a mantle that is satanic in origin. I get one amen out of that. Folks, do you understand this? Either everybody's having problems with this tonight or we just don't want to hear it. You see, this is the issue. You say, well, 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 why do we delight in talking about other people? Because we delight in it. I mean, we'll go out and have our breakfast. We'll go out and have our little fellowships. We'll go out and have our little prayer sessions. And we will just destroy somebody else. Folks, honestly, we got more than enough problems to worry about somebody else. I mean, really, have you looked at yourself lately? Have you looked in James 1, as James 1 says, in the perfect law of liberty and continue therein for a short amount of time? you got a lot of problems going on in your life. Amen? The Bible says in Matthew 6, Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. we got enough problems to deal with. And yet we somehow get satisfaction. And so tonight you say, well, well why, why, why are we critical? Why? And I know it's not why am I critical. It's why is so-and-so critical? Well, I'm going to tell you why so-and-so is critical. I'll also tell you why you're critical, because we enjoy it. Secondly tonight, why do people criticize? They criticize because of pride. Take your Bibles to Proverbs in chapter 21. Proverbs in chapter 21. And again, folks, what I'm talking about tonight, it isn't deep, but it's, it's real relevant to life. It is real relevant to life. We somehow just get a cheap thrill out of torching someone else. And it's not just the teenagers and the kids that are doing it. It's us adults. In fact, many of us have perfected it. We have been able to do it so well that we are able to almost deny the fact that we have a critical tongue. But we do. Because James 3 tells us that it's a perfect man that controls the tongue. And let's face it tonight, I don't think there's a lot of us that have reached that state of perfection in our lives. Proverbs in chapter 21, verse 24, the Bible says, Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. It says, Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Proud and haughty scorner. You see, the second reason people criticize is because they're proud. Hey, when you get lifted up in your heart, you have to keep everybody else down. Do do you get that? That, That's why the Bible says God resisteth the proud. You know why? Because you are trying to brag yourself up, and God says, I don't need you to brag yourself up. I know who you really are in the depths and the recesses of your heart, and I don't need you telling me how good you are. Tell me who you truly are. And when we do that and we lift ourselves up, God says, I don't want anything to do with you. But the reason that we are critical is because we are proud. Well, I don't have a problem with pride hogwash. That's why you're critical. You're critical because you're proud. You're proud of your position. You're proud of your stature. You're proud of who you are. You're proud of your, 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 your place in society. You're proud of uh, how you look. You're proud. And, and, and you will demean people and you will take advantage of people and you cut people down because you're proud. Because you're proud. You say, well, I, 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 Pastor, I'm not proud. Brother, we are all proud by nature. And it's about time we understand that. You know, I, I love people who say, oh, I'm not proud. I'm depressed. Brother, depression is a form of pride. Can, can I tell you, when people get depressed, who is it all about? Them. Do you understand that? When you s- s- fight with depression, you, you say, well, well uh, nobody cares about 
me. Oh, I thought it wasn't all about you. But, but you're now, and, and folks, I got to tell you, it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum. I don't care if you're standing on the top of the mountaintop proclaiming how good you are. If you're in the bottom of the valley proclaiming how terrible you are, I got to be honest with you, we all struggle with pride. And when we struggle with pride, we get critical and we start tearing. Oh, 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 I just don't go to church anymore because the pastor never visits me. What does the pastor visiting you have with you going to church and obeying God's command? Seriously. Could anybody answer that? Well, well, I would do this, but no, 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 no. You're being critical. And brother, I'm going to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter if you're shooting up the mountaintop or you're shooting down the mountaintop. You have a problem with pride and pride brings us to criticalness. Why do people criticize? Because they're proud. Thirdly tonight, why do people criticize? Because they can't control their tempers. Stay in the verse we just looked at, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 24. The Bible says, proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in what? Proud wrath. Proud wrath. You see, (laughs) these people, let me put it this way, they're mad and bless God they're proud of it. I'm righteously indignant. No, you're unrighteously, stu- unrighteously stupid. That's what you are. I, I, I am amazed. And, and people say, oh, I, I have a reason to, to be angry. I have a reason to lose my temper. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, you never have a reason to lose your temper. You might have a right to get mad sometimes. All right, The Lord Jesus Christ got mad a few times. He got mad on purpose. He didn't lose his temper and spout off like a, like a, like a half-brain nitwit. Jesus went in and said, gentlemen, you and I got a problem. We're going to have a little discussion. I got a little little whip here, and you are going to leave the temple pronto. And they said, who are you? He said, I'm the Son of God, and you're going to run. And bless God, they did run, didn't they? Now, Jesus got angry. There's nothing wrong with getting angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Anger is not necessarily a wrong thing. In fact, sometimes righteous anger can be used in a very positive manner. Amen? You ever get that look from your mother growing up? Yeah, you think anger can't be used for righteousness? I do. I beg to differ. I remember that look many times when my father would look down the end of the pew sitting at church, and that look meant sit down, shut up, and don't move, or I'll kill you. Right? How many kids know exactly we got two that just got up and left? Jody, give them a look for Pete's sakes. Good night. What is wrong with you? Pay attention. I'm chastising her. I'm being critical of her. Folks, would we please understand, see, why do we criticize? Because we can't control our tempers. We just get bent out of shape and we deal in proud wrath. Well, how dare they ignore me? How dare they do this? How dare they pick someone else? How dare they? Whoa. You're you're losing control. Benjamin Franklin said, when you feel the need to raise your voice, he said, it's actually time to reinforce your argument. You understand? When you begin to lose control, you're about to say some really stupid things. Ever, anybody ever guilty of that? Man, brother, I could raise both hands and both feet and I'd fall over, but it's the truth. We, we, when we lose control, we get very critical, don't we? Oh, they're, they're, they're the most godless. And we'll spew things that have no reason being spewed. Why? Because we can't control our temper. We're mad. And bless God, we're proud of it. I, 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 got, I got a reason. I, I've been here for 30 years. So? Gives you a reason to criti- criticize, tear down, scorn. 
mean, let's face it, folks. A lot of people that were scornful of Jesus Christ were old religious people. They had their big beards, amen? Walked around in their, as whited sepulchers, as Jesus put it. Critical of the Savior. Critical of the Savior. Critical of the Savior. And I, I'm amazed at how we, well, we're not like that. Brother, those were the most religious people of the day, and they were critical of the perfect Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And you and I want to pretend tonight, oh, we don't have a problem with that. Hogwash, we have a problem with that. We have a big problem with that. And we need to understand that we get critical, number one, when we, when we, uh, because we enjoy it. Number two, we get critical because of pride. Number three tonight, we get critical because we cannot control our tempers. Now, very briefly here is I'm going to bring this thing to a, to a, to a close. How do we protect ourselves from being a critic? Take your Bibles to Proverbs in chapter 16. Proverbs in chapter 16. You say, oh, Pastor, the reason you're talking about this, you don't want to be criticized. It may be true, amen? I'll tell you the truth, though, and we'll talk about this next week. I'm going to talk to you about the consequences of being a critic. I don't want you to be critical. I don't want you to be a scorner because you run into some real issues with God and to some real issues with life. We'll look at those biblically next week. But I want how to protect yourself from being critical. Proverbs in chapter 16, the Bible says, He that is slow to wrath is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh the city. It says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh the city. Now let me, let me just say this before I jump into the second point. Folks, how to protect yourself from being critical. One of the things you need to do is you need to be careful of you, who you hang around with. We, we, we in, this, in this, I'm going to tell you something. If you are a willing party to it, you are a critic. You may not have a critical mouth yet, but you do have a critical ear. And be very careful of that. Because once you get a critical ear, guess what follows very, very shortly? Critical mind, but you've got a critical tongue. And I need you to understand that. So be very careful who you hang around with, all right? You mark a critic and don't hang around with them. But secondly here, get a wall of protection by controlling your temper and by talking properly. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth the spirit, then he that taketh the city. If you got your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. And I want to give you another verse that goes right along with this. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. The Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. How to protect yourself from being critical? Well, watch out who you hang around with. But secondly, you get a wall of protection by controlling your temper and talking properly. Folks, I've got to be honest with you. If you don't listen to criticism, and you make it obvious you're not going to listen to criticism, you're not going to hear it for very long. You're not. You know, it's amazing to me, and I've learned this, but a person who will talk to me about their friend will talk to me, or will talk about me, to their friend. Do you understand that? I want to build a wall around me that protects me from that. How, how, many, like, how many like being criticized? Well, then, for do you really like being criticized? I mean, if you do, come on up here, and I'll just, I really, just sit you in this chair, and we can all have a big time if you really like. Nobody likes being criticized. No, we don't. 
Well, tonight we need to put up a wall that protects us from that. We need to watch who we're hanging with. Secondly, we need, we, need to, we need to start controlling our tempers. We need to start controlling our mouths. And that brings us back to James. See, James said it's a perfect man. It's a perfect man who controls what he says. He said he bridles the tongue. He has it in check. And, and folks, I, I'd be the first to confess, I, I struggle with it. But tonight, hey, could I just ask you, are, are you being critical? Tonight, I've tried to show you a few little things, short things, very simple things, why we criticize. But folks, I also want us to protect ourselves from being a critic. I have no desire to be a critical individual. I have no desire to set myself up in anger or in pride and be critical of you, of your family, of your home, of your children. You say, well, well, uh, 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 Pastor, I mean, some, sometimes they need to be criticized. You know, we need to be constructively criticize them. No, what you need to do is you need to go to them and tell them what they're doing is wrong. That's not necessarily criticism. That's meeting, that, uh, that, that's meeting them in the right spot at the right time in the right place. Criticism is when you go behind them and shoot arrows at them, and we do that, don't we? We talk badly about individuals, and we talk badly about marriages, and we talk badly about, and folks, it's about time we stop. And I know, I know we're in the middle of, middle of political season, and it seems like the thing to do. Just criticize and criticize and criticize and criticize and get all the attention off of you so nobody looks in your direction. Brother, we need to stop it. And in the Christian realm, in the church, in the Christian home, we got to stop being critical. Our kids grow up, and our kids grow up in this critical attitude. And I'm going to tell you what happens, and it's sad. They get in their little car, they get in their little minivan after church, and they say, and, 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 and they just watch the, the, the mama and daddy, they, they just watched them shake hands with the pastor and say, oh, what a great message. And they go out to the car and they say, oh, man, he went, he, he, can you believe that long-winded son of a gun? He went seven minutes over. He ruined lunch. And they continue to hear that. And they hear mama criticize the lady she was just talking about or talking with at the car. And oh, they were laughing together and having a wonderful time, fellowshipping in the Lord. And she gets in the car and she says, oh, can you believe that Jezebel? Did you see the way she was dressed? Uh-huh. Let's make it personal, all right? And dad gets in the car and he, he greets or he ushers with one of the guys or maybe he's on the deacon board, maybe he's a Sunday school teacher. He's, oh, that, that old Joe, man, he's a bum. I thought he was your friend, Dad. I thought he was your Christian brother. And we wonder why we're losing our kids. It's because we're big, fat hypocrites. That's why. We're critical. And, folks, we don't want to admit it. You say, well, well, I'm not critical. Brother, we are critical. Just Tonight, just, just please, don't make me fight with you. Don't make me argue with you. We are critical by nature. By nature, we have a critical, scornful spirit, and we need to understand it, and then we need to address it biblically. And we need to come to a place where we understand the importance of this issue. You say, well, this, is, this, is, this isn't a big issue, you know. I mean, the Trinity and tongues, those are big issues. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, there are going to be far fewer people who leave this church over the years because of the issue of tongues or the issue of the Trinity than leave it over someone being critical of them. I'm talking about a very relevant issue. 
And we need to understand it because this affects the people we live around. And tonight, I don't want to see our homes affected. I don't, I'm tired of seeing my kids. See, our kids grow up and they, 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 they have listened to us. And, and bless God, they say anything like that. They criticize their Sunday school teacher. They criticize their friends. Oh, now you be quiet, little Johnny. You shouldn't talk bad about them. And then you go right back to your conversation with your spouse. Yes? Folks, let's call it what it is. Sounds pretty accurate, doesn't it? And we need to come to a place in our lives where we understand this. And understand, hey, I do have an issue and I need to start watching my mouth. James chapter 3 said it's a perfect man. It said that this is the hardest member of the body to control. It says that a man who can control his mouth can control his whole body. Hey, fellas, you want help with your pornography problem? Get a hold of your critical tongue. Oh, what does that have? It means if you can control that stinking tongue of yours, you can control where your eyes are. That's right. And folks, tonight, we need to understand this. Because this is destroying our Christianity. It is. It is dividing churches. It is dividing homes. It is dividing friends. It is divi- it's, just, it's just destroying. And we just pretend like we don't see. Do you understand? It's dividing our nation. It is sad to me, folks, it takes a catastrophe like 9-11 to unite our country. You know why, you know why it, it takes something like that? Because for the last six months, all we've heard in, in America is how much we're supposed to hate Republicans and hate Democrats and hate that guy and hate this guy. And one of them's going to be our president, and bless God, most of us are going to hate him. Now, brother, he may be an unrighteous and an ungodly man, but I'm going to tell you something right now. It isn't our job to sit back in our little armchair quarterback chairs and throw arrows at him. It's to pray for him, and it's to pray that he gets right with God, and it's to contact him and do everything we can to help him do so. But we need to stop being critical of everything in our lives. You say, well, well, I'm right. Who cares if you're right? Don't be critical. Address it properly, but don't sit back there and criticize what you have no business criticizing. Folks, I wish we'd understand this. I look out tonight, and I love you with all of my hearts, but I don't think we see it. Because we see it back in our little seat of self-righteousness. We say, well, I'm glad I'm not as those unrighteous publicans. You understand what you just did? You're just proud, and you're critical of those people that sit across the aisle. Do you do understand? And folks, we, we play games. And I understand it, because you know I play games. Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not like that. Yeah, brother, I am like that. It's time I understand it and do something about it. We sing, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Hey, can I ask you, are, are, are you a part of that sweet spirit? Are you part of that group that sits in the back and says, <laughs> he's going to the altar again. <laughs> he's got issues. I know how it works. You haven't graced an altar in the last 20 years and got no need to do so. You're perfect according to you. Folks, we need to be very careful of this. It's destroying us. It's tearing us apart. That's what a critical person does. They're always tearing something apart. My friend tonight, I don't want that. I don't want that for my home. I don't want that for this church. I love it too much. I don't, I don't like it in our country. I'm so tired of it. I am. I'm so tired of what I'm, I am. Folks, we've got to come to a place in our homes and in our lives where there's a spirit that isn't critical. 
Man, call a spade a spade. Don't be afraid of that. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to address the issue of tongues. Go at it from a biblical angle. Say, hey, this is what God says. Argue with him. doesn't matter what I think. You're nuts. Amen? God said you are. <laughs> say it with a smile on your face, but say it. Folks, we've got to come to a place in our Christianity, though, where we don't have a critical spirit. Do you, do you know when you don't feel the need to be critical, do you know that God defends you? It's a beautiful thing. Do you know for many years King Saul tried to destroy the integrity and the testimony of King David, or not King David, Shepherd David, Captain David, General David. He tried for years. And do you know who the people clamored for and loved? David. Why? God took care of him. God protected his integrity. God protected his honor. He, he ran for his life. He got out. He got tired of, he got tired of the battle. He got tired. God said, I'll take care of you, David. Don't worry about it. God does. And folks, tonight, we need to get God on our side on this issue. And God says, I don't, I, don't, I don't need you walking around telling everybody about so-and-so. I don't need you telling other people's problems to them. Just stop it. Just stop it. And folks, tonight, I challenge all of us. Let's get a handle on this. Let's understand what God's word says about the issue. And then let's do something about it in our lives. Let's go and stand to our feet. I know I've not been eloquent tonight at all. I know that. But folks, this is an issue that, quite frankly, is something we need to address. You say, Pastor, is there a lot of criticism going around the church? Not, not to my knowledge, I'll be honest with you. But folks, I know my nature. And I know where it goes. And I know I enjoy being critical. And folks, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. And tonight, could I just please challenge you? If the Lord's touching your heart on this topic... During the invitation, would you take it up with him? As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's done something tonight, please you feel free to come to the altar. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to see you on a Sunday night.
time change messes with everybody, doesn't it? I know it. I can see y'all are a little weary tonight. It's <clears throat> 9 o'clock, amen, according to our bodies. But no, I appreciate you. Folks, let's, let's take some of these things to heart. And I know this isn't what you would call a dynamic topic, all right? But it's a topic that sure means a whole lot to people, including the guy in my skin. I don't like being criticized. So if I don't like being criticized, I shouldn't be critical. Folks, I just challenge you with that. I really would. Why, why do we criticize? Because we enjoy it. Because we enjoy it. Because we're, we're proud. Because we get angry and we lose control. How do we protect ourselves? Watch out who we hang with. Build a wall. Build a wall by controlling our spirit. Controlling our tongue. And my friend, God will bless us. He will. God will build us. I believe one of the reasons God's blessed this church in the last six, seven years, we've been in church that's been pretty positive about things. All right? We've gone forward. We haven't tried to sit back and, and cut each other down. You find a church that's inwardly focused, you're going to find a church that's shrinking. Okay, I'm telling you that right now. Church that's sitting on the inside chewing on each other, they don't grow. No, everybody comes in and they say, not, not for me. <laughs> don't like that situation. Don't want any of that. I think one of the reasons God's blessed the church, we've kept the focus out there. That's where God wants it. Reach the sinners. Reach the lost. Reach, reach those who need to be redeemed. Folks, we keep the attention there and keep the attention off of one another. We stand in front of God accountable. I'm, I'm telling you right now, God will bless. God will do something. Let's not get critical. All right, let's be dismissed tonight with a word of prayer. Brother John Moore, you dismiss us. <laughs>